Welcome to Stageworthy. I'm Phil Rickaby, the host of this podcast. This is episode 335. My guest this week is Fundy Fringe Festival Director Drew Murdoch. Last year, the Fundy Fringe presented a hybrid festival with both live with a reduced audience and live stream with local artists. This year, the Fundy Fringe returns to a fully in-person festival welcoming artists both local, national, and international. The Fundy Fringe Festival runs from August 21st to 27th in St. John, New Brunswick. Here's my conversation with Drew Murdoch. So you must be things must be must be gearing up for you guys over over in uh, in St. John there. They are they are gearing up now. I mean, it's sort of a year round thing anyway, but yeah. now we're definitely uh, into the crunch zone here of things for sure. Yeah, and this is I mean, like like every fringe in in the circuit. This is you know this is a big one. This is like back from two years of of. I mean, you guys did some in person stuff last year, if I recall. Yeah, we did. We had um. We had 10 live acts last year, and we also streamed all of them. And then the year before was, again, we had some, yeah, we've sort of been in a, in a weird limbo state for a couple mm. of years now, but uh, we're definitely trying to get back to sort of where we were before COVID hit. The, the, the live streaming thing, I, I feel like um, the Fundy Fringe and St. John Theatre Company did quite a bit as far as like innovation, as far as... Uh, regular live streaming of stuff. I think a lot of companies shied away from live streaming their stuff from the stage. It was mm-hmm. one thing to do zoom productions and another thing to try to do it from the stage. But, um, the, the, the fundy fringe, I think has, has sort of been at the forefront of, of doing a lot of that. What was that like for you at, at doing that in your first year last year as the, as the festival director? Well, you know, it worked out great for me because that's sort of my background. Um, and that's what I do for the theater company. Actually, I'm the video producer full time there. So honestly, that's how I got a job in theater was because I could do that. And there was a time when all of a sudden people couldn't come to the theaters and that St. John theater company thought, okay, well, let's still maintain our presence. So let's stream it. And I was around and sort of did that. So that part I was fine with for the fringe. I sort of knew what I was doing already. And we have a great technical staff and students and volunteers that can help. And we sort of built that base up already throughout the year. And we were sort of ready for it when fringe came. Now the challenge was that, you know, we weren't just streaming one show from one place. uh, Like we did at the theater company and such. It was, it was, you know, 10 performances from two different places. And that was the challenge was figuring Mm. out how to schedule that but no, it sort of worked out fine, and I, I think it was it was a good decision to do it. And um, I think going forward, it's not something we'll ever abandon completely. I think that's I think that's really admirable because I know a lot of theater companies that were doing digital stuff are now backing away from the digital. And to me, that feels like, in a lot of ways, having opened the door to accessibility, both. Uh, for people who can't make it to the theater, people who can't financially afford to go to the theater, and also for people who live too far away from the theater mm. to, to to be able to share the work with them. And now to say, now that we're back in the theater, we can shut the door on all of that. We don't care about you. We're going back to in-person entirely. <laughs> and I feel like it's a missed opportunity. 
Yeah, it is. Well, it is an opportunity. It causes, you know, extra work, but I have to say it's worth it. You're totally right that as far as accessibility goes, like there's there's so many reasons why people can't go to the theater that aren't just, well, COVID happened and we don't want to go. Like there's so many reasons that I learned while streaming. And it was like, oh, I never thought of that, that this person wouldn't be able to go to a theater for this reason or wouldn't be able to go to this venue for a reason. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a, a lot of things that we found were, was, oh, my, my family lives, you know, in Ontario mm-hmm. and they just can't come to see me in a show here at the Imperial. But now for the first time, they've been able to see me and they can all sit together in a living room and, and watch it together. And it's a totally different experience. And that's worth something too. Like you'll never recreate the experience of being in a theater via live stream. You just won't. No. But it is a different thing. And that also has its place. So we try to sort of lean into that as well and and be aware that the experience of watching it online is different. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can add some things to that that make it worth it. So yeah. And then of course, financially, like all of our stream tickets are cheaper than mm-hmm. going to the theater. Um accessibility reasons we 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 really make sure that all our venues at the fringe at least are accessible but throughout the year that's hard with theaters Mm -hmm. and and yeah there's so many reasons why people can't go and it's too bad and we've sort of opened this door and yeah i don't think it's it's certainly not the right time to be closing it um and it sort of presents more opportunities where other theaters are now closing that door again that Mm. it's a good time to keep it going it absolutely is because i think that 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 uh, I, a lot of theaters that are closing that door, I think it's a good reminder that this is still necessary and it can work. I think that, yes, it takes effort, but I think the effort's ultimately worth it. Mm. And you're right, theater, like the, the, like a live stream is never going to replace being in the room. Um, but it can give a taste. And if a show is running or it might come back, like, Watching it online can whet an audience's appetite. I've had this conversation with so many people just say like, you listen to your favorite band's record over and over, but if you have the opportunity to go see them live, you'll take it. Mm. What's yeah. the, why is that different about theater? Like I know, I know kids, you know, I've heard kids watching bootlegged video on YouTube of, of Broadway shows, <laughs> but to them that doesn't replace the, uh, the opportunity. Like if they had the opportunity, they would still go to see the show. Yeah. It's an enhancement. It's an addition. It's like an add-on yeah. rather than a replacement. Yeah. And that's the fear, I think, with a lot of these, mm-hmm. and not just theater companies that are that are shutting the door on that. And I think you're right that their mentality is, oh, well, we, we still want people to come. So if we stream this, then no one will come, which totally is not true. But the other aspect of that is publishing companies that maintain the rights to a lot of shows just will say, no, you're not allowed to stream this mm. particular title. Um, because we still want people to pay to come see it. Yeah. And it's just, it's a missed opportunity there. I, yeah, it's a different thing. Like we did stuff at the theater company where, uh, we did a show, um, for, for black history month in February. Uh, and I think it was in, in 2020, so sort of near the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it was a, an original script written by a, a writer and a poet here, Clyde Ray. And it was, uh, just a bunch of monologues of famous black people who lived in St. John, who their names are not known as well as they should be. And it was just a series of monologues. So that production was also streamed. And we decided in the streamed version of it to, you know, have interviews with the cast members in between the monologues, sort of commentary from the director spliced in 
So we we tried to make it a different experience than just seeing it in the theater because we're not really trying to recreate that. And there's been a few shows that we've done um, where we've tried to do that. And so it, it's, if you kind of think outside the box, then it mm. has its own place for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, this is sort of a, this is a big year for Fundy Fringe. This is 10 years of, of the Fundy Fringe. And, um, you know, as uh, 10 years of the Fundy Fringe, your second year as director, um, and, and the first time sort of like, I don't, are you, is it a full slate? Is it like back to 2019 levels of, of shows at the Fundy Fringe this year? So 2019, we had 20 acts. Sort of that was, I think, I don't know when the festival started. I'm not sure if they, I, I don't think they started right with 20. But um, yeah, no, this year we have 15. So, so we close are, to. We're close to it. Yeah, we're close to it. Um, and the venues are a little bit different. Um, we don't have as many venues as mm-hmm. we would have in 2019, but they're sort of all more contained and closer together. And we're just sort of, it's, it's a different atmosphere and we're trying to create that. Um, so we're not back to full 20, but we're sort of getting closer. Last year, we got closer again. And then yeah. this year. So, yeah. Nice. As, as, the, as the, the festival director um, leading the Fundy Fringe into its 10th year, what does the Fundy Fringe mean to you? Mm. Well, on a personal level, um, it, it means a lot. I sort of... I owe my career in theater, I guess you could say, to the Fundy Fringe. I started working for the Fundy Fringe Festival as the marketing assistant out of high school. So after I graduated high school in the summers, I got a summer job there, um, which is what got my foot in the door with the Fringe and with the theater company. So had it not been for that, I don't know what I would be doing now, but it probably wouldn't be this. Um, And then the next few years, I worked there as a technical coordinator um, and then sort of evolved into this position so had it not been for fringe for me i probably wouldn't be working in theater at least not in saint john right now i would think yeah and you mentioned like working in marketing were you with were you making theater at the time that you first started getting involved with with the fringe or did that come later for you uh yes i was totally a theater kid in high school (laughs) that was my thing i found it later i didn't start till uh, grade 11 uh, most people start right in grade nine in high school. And uh, I waited till grade 11. We did Les Mis, snuck in there. Then we did Phantom, snuck in there. And I was definitely a theater kid, directed a show in high school. Um, so I was, yeah, I was already into theater. That's what made me apply for the for the job at the Fringe and at the theater company. Um, it was a seed grant, I think, when the province was doing that, getting students to work in the summers. And yeah, that's that's how I started. So I was already into theater, but this certainly made me appreciate it and love it more. And in a different way, you know, fringe festivals are not the same as producing, you know, I don't want to say regular theater, but they're, they're a different, it's a different animal. So Hmm. um, I really love getting to sort of do both. For me, fringe is the opportunity. It's sort of like the gateway to producing theater, right? Like it's, it's producing with training wheels because you don't have to rent your own venue and there's certain things that you don't have to do. And the cost is lower than producing your own show. So it's sort of like, it's like you getting your foot in the door and getting started. Um, but then, you know, outside of the fringe, it, it sort of expands and gets more complicated. Um, now you mentioned sort of getting into theater in, in high school. 
as far as like your first, was that your first introduction to theater or was there, was there something else that, that pulled you in? What, what, what is your theater origin story? <laughs> My theater origin story is uh, I was in grade five in elementary school and uh, we were doing like, we used to do little musicals in elementary school that in my mind at the time were like full length Broadway musicals. Uh, looking back, there were like 30 minutes and would, there was very little singing in them, but and that's beside the point. So I started grade five. I was in the, the ensemble of uh, the, the hit musical, the emperor's new clothes um, based on the children's storybook. Mm. And, uh, in the ensemble for that. And then one of the the leads in the show got sick, like violently ill one day, like the day of the show. And I, I don't know, I guess I had a good memory, but I just like knew all of his lines and knew all of the songs. Mm-hmm. So I stepped into his part and uh, got to play that, the leading part in that show. And it, I don't know, ever since then, I sort of <laughs> didn't stop. That's my theater origin story. Now, was there something that that between that and high school that made you sort of think that this was a thing that that you could, you know, make your your career, make your life around? Yeah, that I don't think that started until high school. Um, for one, my dad is a huge theater lover, and I guess that's what part of my origin story was. He got me interested in theater that way. Um, but then in high school, like a lot of people who go into the arts, I had a very, a very important, very special teacher, um, at St. John high school, who was the music teacher there and really encouraged me, uh, to pursue it. And, and, and I did, I went on, um, after I graduated high school to study music and theater at Dalhousie and then at Mount Allison, um, so it was really not till high school when I was was encouraged, and I think I needed that encouragement from a from a teacher to say sort of you can do this, and and that would that was that. Yeah, I think that that the encouragement of a teacher can be can be huge um, because you know sometimes you know we'll, uh, a teenager, a kid, somebody thinking about getting into theater will get into their own head. Mm. They will have people like putting doubts into their head, like can you make a career out of this? How will you ever make a living? That sort of thing, and yeah. and that's those are things that make people, you know, think twice and think maybe you know, oh, I'll just I guess I'll just get a regular job and forget about this thing. But yeah, that kind of encouragement can be hugely formative. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, and and I don't know. I, I don't want to project, but I think for a lot of people that are interested in theater and, and, you know, pursue the arts. I don't know. A lot of us are just shy to begin with. And we don't, at least I'm, I'm speaking from my experience, obviously, but you know, we, we don't, we're not on the sports teams at the high school and we're not on the football team. And it's sort of a different, it's a different atmosphere. We're sort of shy people to begin with. So I think a lot of us just need that encouragement to say, yeah, you can do this or, or at least give it a try. Mm nothing wrong with trying it and it doesn't work out, Hmm. you know, doing, doing this podcast for as, as long as I have, um, I have encountered the vast majority of people that I've spoken to would identify as introverts, Hmm. which always strikes people as like, that's weird. How can an actor be an introvert? And it's so, it's so common that, that there's something to it. There's something in the introvert makeup. I think there's sure there's plenty of extroverted actors 
and 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 performers but there's something about what it does for the introvert i think that that sort of brings more of us into the 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 fold mm. yeah i think it's a more meaningful experience mm. for an mm. introvert at least it was for me i know very few people that i work close closely with in theater that are extroverted so it is interesting mm -hmm. there should be a study on that i i wonder there really should and you know the thing that has always sort of frustrated me about about the theater world is there's so many things that we put into our theater landscape that are not introvert friendly yeah uh, opening night receptions uh networking like schmooze fest events <laughs> things like that these are not introvert friendly things and we'll go and like be miserable and like figure out how long do I have to stay here? Yeah. And it's like, there's so many of us. Why is so much of what we do antithetical to the introvert uh, personality? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know back to friend, like when I started, when I did the, got the fringe job, I don't know how to phrase that, but when I, when I got the festival director job, I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I've, I've done stage management and, you know, production management and I've been in shows and I've done the tech and I've done the marketing. Like I, I can do this, but really the, what I didn't want to do is like have to go up on stage and talk into a microphone and introduce performers <laughs> and schmooze with people. Like I really couldn't think of anything worse than to do that, which is funny because I'm totally comfortable being on stage singing or mm -hmm. acting or whatever. But I think people don't, at least people that aren't directly involved in theater don't understand that that is a very different experience. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it like, I, if I know what I'm going to say, I'm, I'm good. If I, if I, if I'm prepared for something, I can get up and I can say a thing. I have my performer self on, but if I'm unprepared, the introvert takes over. Um, in 2018, I had my show at the, the, the Fundy Fringe and it was uh, best uh, solo show that year. And I was hmm. so awkward going up to accept that I think I came off as a dick because I just, all I could really say was like, thank you so much and like run away. But I think I'm not sure I didn't come out as like, what a dickhead, but it was just like so awkward and painful that I just needed to get out of there. Well, I remember, um, yeah, I remember your show at the 2018 Fringe <laughs> and I don't remember thinking, oh, what a dickhead. So no, no, no. It was just like it, the yeah. acceptance of the award. I have to, I've had to like, uh, like practice accepting compliments after a show. Mm. Like that's something that I've had to do because otherwise I'm a deer caught in the headlights. So I've, yeah. I've had to perfect my, the face, the mannerisms, the whole thing to be able to face people after a show who want to say nice things to me. So yeah, my go-to is, Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. That's, <laughs> I just, like, that's all I'll say. Cause you're right. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Mine, mine is mine. Is, mine includes a, a well-placed stammer. Thank mm. you. Thank, thank you so much. Like just, it's like, very humble. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. It's all I can manage. It's all I can manage. Um, has, has the, the, the being the face of the essentially, cause that's the, the festival director, you are the representative of the fringe to the community in a lot of ways. Like in the, when, when the fringe is not on, has, how, has that been something that's a challenge for you as a more introverted person? It, it, it is. And it's a challenge, not just because I'm introverted, but also because really it, it has nothing to do with me. It, it's, you know, it's odd answering questions and I get that someone has to be the face and I'm, I'm happy to do it really. Um, being interviewed and whatnot, mm. 
But at the end of the day, you know, the festival is made up of performers from mm. around our province and around the country and, you know, sometimes in other countries. And that's what it's about. Like, we should really be asking them what their experience is like. Sure, I can make the schedules and, you know, pick the venues and, and things. But at the end of the day, like the the performers are chosen literally out of a hat. Like, I don't really have anything to do with, you know, it's it's just, it's not like directing a show, you know? It's, it's, it's different. It isn't, but I do think that a festival director can set a tone for a festival, mm-hmm. right? Sure. A festival yeah. director can set a, a tone as to whether or not it's a warm fringe or a cold fringe. And I've done fringes across the country and I've been at warm fringes and I've been at very cold fringes. Mm, interesting. And my experience at St. John is that it is a warm fringe. Yeah. And that is, you know, the, like I said, like, a lot of times when you look at like, why is this fringe the way it is? You can look to the top and, and that's, that's, th- that's yeah. the reason that person's personality sort of like reflects on, on how the fringe uh, treats the people around it, or how people reflect on it. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, I think the fundy fringe reflects St. John as a warm fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I think St. John for one, St. John's a pretty warm place, um, at least in the arts community, I think it is. And, you know, I have to thank, obviously, I have to thank Sarah, who mm. sort of steered the ship for a very long time and built it to what it is and totally created that tone from the top down. And the best that I can do now um, is maintain that. And um, obviously, we hope to grow it and continue mm-hmm. to do new ideas. But that tone you speak of... Um, you know, if we can just keep that rolling, then I'm happy. Yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. The as far as like what are, what are what do the are the venues this year? What what kind of venues are they? Are they all traditional theater venues? Are they school rooms? Like what's what are you looking at this yeah, year? Yeah, uh, they're not. So we have um, our BMO studio is uh, the venue that's in the building that we work out of. Um, you would have been in there, I'm sure. It's a it's a 60 to 80 seat sort of black mm-hmm. box style theater with, you know, full technical equipment and uh, the seating can be arranged however you please. Mm-hmm. That's one of our venues. And then our second venue is a large tent in our parking lot. Um, we did this last year too. Uh, basically because of COVID, we decided to have a sort of an outdoor venue and we really liked it. So we're going to do that again. We have a, a tent in our parking lot, which seats maximum like 80 people, which is you know more than enough for for our festival it has a stage it has lights it has sound equipment hmm. and then uh, our third venue which is the first time this being a venue we're calling it the warehouse but it hmm. doesn't really have a name and it's on the same street as the other two venues and it's sort of just down the block and there's like a it's sort of like a courtyard that then goes into this brick warehouse room that has a sliding glass garage door and hmm. it's basically just a big empty brick room um, that's perfect for storytelling shows, one person shows, mm. music. It's sort of a cool, kind of grungy or non-traditional venue. Are there, as far as like the tent, are there particular shows that you that you envision work best in a tent? I think any show can work in a tent. <laughs> no, I'd, um, yeah, there are certain shows that work better in a tent for sure. Um, last year we got pretty lucky, I think, but last year we had sort of like two-hander straight plays mm. in the tent and it, it worked fine. Um, it's a different room. And I mean, mm-hmm. you would know more as a 
as a performer more regularly than me for sure about you know how a room can affect a show but yeah we definitely had uh people seem to like the tent and it's sort of mm. parked right up against our loading dock and we have a nice little bar set up outside there you can <laughs> sit down on the deck and have a drink and go in the tent so it worked well but yeah it's sort of a challenge to figure out okay who can make the tent work and who maybe needs hmm. a little something more that is always the and that is always the challenge as a performer having done shows across across the country especially like if you're doing one show and moving from space to space um you always have to walk into a space and and sometimes you're like well whatever this is somehow we have to make this work and that's always like this this magical challenge of like well, we were working in a tiny black box when we were in mm-hmm. Montreal, and now we're in Winnipeg, and they've put us in the massive theater. So, how do we make this adjustment? Yeah. You know, little things like that, and and uh, it's one of those things that the performer and and their their team have to figure out in a, in a space. But that tent, now that you describe it a little more fully, it sounds a little bit, I, it sounds more more cozy than I was initially imagining. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's not massive, and mm. there's a a lot of it is taken up by by a stage and by you know lighting trusts and and stuff and stuff. But um, yeah, it's um. I mean, when we're looking at performer applications, after we sort of draw them out of the hat, you know, if someone says, "Oh, I need control of lighting and projection," and like, okay, well then you probably can't go in a tent. But a lot, of, <laughs> in fact, I would say most people that apply to our fringe at least say like. Yeah, whatever room we have is fine yeah. with us as long as we can be in it. <laughs> yeah, which is great. So then it doesn't quite matter as much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what do you What are you most looking forward to about about Fringe uh, coming back and 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 you sort sort of like doing this larger Fringe and then in the last two years? Well, I'm really excited to have our national and international acts back. Last year and the year before, it was just sort of, we called it local only, but because we're a, a small, small city, we extend that outwards sort of to the province. Um, but I'm excited to have those national and international performers back because it just brings something more to the festival. I mean, St. John being a small city, honestly speaking, a lot of these local acts, like everyone knows and almost knows them personally. You sort of know what you're going to get when you you see someone's name is in the fringe and you go to their show. You know them, you know that what kind of shows they do. But to have that sort of sense of, oh, here's someone coming in from Toronto or from mm. Vancouver and we've never heard of them. We've never seen their show or maybe we saw them five years ago at the fringe and they were great. And oh, here's someone from Los Angeles and I wonder mm. what that's about. It just it creates a sort of a different buzz. Yeah. That's a different experience than going to see someone, you know, and love. So I'm excited to have that back. There's also something about, like, I know from, from going to different cities and seeing shows and each, you know, each city has its own flavor. Like you see something that you haven't seen anywhere else. Like this performer, mm-hmm. you don't know that performer and they blow your mind or they introduce you to a new concept of something. And you're like, wow, if they, if, if, if we could bring this home, they would just like go wild for it. So it's always yeah. good to have like the familiar and the new and unfamiliar, which it make, is kind of what makes Fringe exciting. Yeah. Well, I've seen so many shows at the Fringe that are, you know, you read them in the program and go, oh, okay, you know, let's. I'm not sure about this one, but I'm going to go see it. And then it's like your favorite show. And that really only can happen at a fringe festival. 100%. That's what's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any uh, innovations or new things that are, that are new for you guys in St. John uh, with the Fundy Fringe this year that, that, I, that, that, that we might want to know about or, or, or new, new programs, things like that? 
Good question. Hmm. Uh, new. Well, we have a tent, but we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> new things. Hmm. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, so our festival back in 2019 was like very much just cash only at the door kind of thing. We've sort of upgraded since then. Um, we're able to accept debit and credit cards and sell tickets at our box office. And uh, so that's been helpful. And we're going to keep doing that this year, even though our venues are spread out, we're, we're able to do that, which is nice. Um, we're going to bring back the uh, preview night. We very much hope, um, which is always a fun event for fun difference that we haven't had the last two years um, just because we're not, we weren't really allowed to crowd as many people in one room as possible for obvious reasons. So that'll be nice to get back to that evening. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a, is there a, like a, I mean, one of the things that a lot of other fringes do have is like, a, you know, you mentioned that, that there's like a spot to, to get a drink out at the, at, at the tent venue. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fringes have like their beer tent or their, their, their location where people can hang out. Is that something, uh, is that, what you've sort of like created outside of the the tent venue. Yeah, we have, we've, we created that last year and, and I thought it was great. People really liked it. We have one inside too, that we called the uh, the hub. I think you've recorded some past podcasts in the hub. Yeah. Yes. You might remember the horrible acoustics, but uh, <laughs> just this big empty <laughs> cement floored room um, that actually my office is in. So I tend to, my voice carries more than it should in there, but yeah, we have one inside too that we we have you know volunteer tables and couches and coffee and place to hang out for performers, for volunteers, for just patrons to come mm-hmm. meet and and uh, hang out with people. And then, then we have one outside too, which is great. That, nice. that was great. A nice little nice. bar with some seating and yeah, it's yeah. one thing to just have you know here's three venues with you know five shows going on at each, but like what do you do in between and the community aspect that. I think is really present in St. John at, at Fundy Fringe um, is that you could easily like meet all the performers if you wanted to yeah, and uh, talk to the volunteers, talk to the staff. And that, that part's always fun for me too. Well, one of the things that I do, I, I like about, about the Fundy Fringe is it is, it's, you could see all of the shows mm-hmm. and that's sort of the joy of it as a, 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 as the size of it uh, a toronto fringe or even even more like say a winnipeg or edmonton fringe you could never see all of the shows mm. but at the fundy fringe uh, a patron could go to see all of the shows which is kind of an amazing thing yeah no and there are people who have their programs and they have their sharpies and they're circling their shows and creating <laughs> their own schedule how can i how can i do it how can i see all the shows in in three days or in four days and um people try to sort of cram it in i think um well also by having your venues close together you do make that uh, uh simpler for people yeah yeah and that's something we we tried to well last year we only had two venues we had our studio and our tent so that was easier because they're the parking lot of the studio is where the tent is so that made things easy but even scheduling like we really kind of put our brains together and said how can we make a schedule that you could see all the shows even in one day if you wanted to. Like, um, there was only 10, 10 acts, but right. Um, yeah, so it's fun to be able to run around with your program and check off all the shows. Mm. And there are people that do it. Yeah, are really good at it. <laughs> it's a skill. They should, they should hold a seminar. Those we people. should do that. That <laughs> should be a new thing at Fundy Fringe. We should have a workshop 
on how to see all the fringe shows. <laughs> that, that would actually be pretty incredible. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> um, just a little, just to talk a little bit more about, about you uh, as a, as a theater maker. If, if you were to, and I don't know if, if it's possible, if you were to describe yourself as a maker of theater, how would you describe yourself? Well, the first word that comes to mind is versatile. Um, and I only say that because I don't know, I've, I've taken on like a whole bunch of different roles in theater over the last, you know, few years and mm. really love doing them all. Um, I've, you know, been a photographer for a show or a videographer or a musician or, a, you know, a, a video director or a stage manager, production manager, lighting designer, set designer. Like I, and it's funny because the St. John is sort of, at least I think one of the few places you can really do that because it is smaller. If I were to go to a big city and work at some theater, like I'd kind of be doing one thing. Um, but it's been great that I can do many things because I, I don't know. I just, I like to do all things theater and I get to do it here. So I would say versatile final answer. <laughs> That's a good final answer. Uh, you've been a stage manager, a lighting and projection designer, production manager, video director. Um, where do your like is there one thing that above all that is your favorite well i really like lighting design uh that's if i could do one if i had to pick one thing i think it would be that and i don't know why i just <laughs> really like doing it i like being creative and uh i i sort of when i was a kid i, I got really into photography still am mm. um and I just sort of fell in love with making things look nice on camera and lighting things certain ways. And I, you know, did a lot of homework on it and sort of studied it and um, color. And I don't know, I just something about lights that I really, I really took an interest in uh, as a kid and it never sort of left me. So to do uh, theater lighting design, I don't know, I just, it's one of the things I enjoy the most. Well, when you say that, when you say that you were into photography in many ways, that makes sense to me that lighting design would be a thing you'd be interested in. Mm. Um, the, the, you know, in many ways, photography is about the use of light. So, mm. um, it would, it would make a lot of sense that that would be something that you graduate to or gravitate yeah. to. Yeah. I don't know. What, I don't really know which came first. <laughs> um, I remember buying my first camera when I was a kid and I don't know what I really, it's funny. Like you look back at things and go, how, what, what made me want to do that? And I really have no idea. But, uh, I remember when I was in like, elementary school and middle school, if there was ever a project like where you could do anything like a book report, remember when you used to do book reports and they would yeah. say like, okay, you can write an essay or you can like draw a picture or whatever. I always said, I'm going to build a diorama of what the <laughs> setting of this book is. It was just always my thing. And I loved doing it. And I still love doing it. Like making maquettes is like one of my favorite things to do. And then I would always have to like get the flashlights out and light it certain ways. And I don't know, I guess it's like, I don't know why, but I just liked that. So yeah. Storytelling. I mean, it's all storytelling, right? Yeah. Like, it all boils down to the same thing. Um, but being able to augment a story or enhance a story with through, through lights is, is really fun for me. Well, because without lights in many cases, like you're missing an essential piece of the mood, right? You can mm. do like a, a wash, but that doesn't tell the story. Um, yeah. light, light can help to enhance whatever is happening on stage. 
Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's because of me, but um, I think at Fundy Fringe, we really try to like maybe even have more tech than a lot of fringes and have more opportunities. <laughs> like even in this warehouse venue, that's essentially a brick room. Like we will have lights and have LEDs that can mm. change color and create the moods that you want. And maybe that's my doing of saying, we at least <laughs> need to give these performers something to work with. Or maybe it's just because I want to see how they look. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair too. That's fair yeah. too. It is, it is essentially your, I mean, it's your festival. You can, you can uh, influence it that way. <laughs> Yeah, we can get movers in and all kinds of fun. No, we don't do that, but more than just to wash. We like to offer more than just to wash. Sure. Fundy yeah. Fringe. Yeah. Um, do you rem- uh, do you remember the first play that you saw at the Fundy Fringe? The or the first the first show that made an impact on you at the Fundy Fringe? Hmm. Okay, let me think back. There was a show, I think, in tw- was twenty eighteen year when you were at yes Fundy? yeah yeah okay I think there was a show in twenty eighteen called twenty five and the group was from Paris I know the group yes 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 okay yes yeah, yeah. and I think it made an impact on me because it, it sort of made me think oh this is what like this is what a really small show that like fits into a suitcase can be. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Because that show was like people listening to this haven't seen it, but it was <laughs> precise. It was precise and gorgeous and somehow managed to be small, but also huge. Yeah, it did. And it was thought provoking, but not mm-hmm. in, in an annoying way. Yeah. Also. <laughs> If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So that one was, and also that I think because they're, they were from Paris and mm-hmm. people think that's interesting. Uh, granted, <laughs> sure. That a lot of people came to the show and it sort of created this buzz just around the show itself. That mm-hmm. was really exciting to be an audience member in. Was that the first show at the, at the Fundy Fringe, as far as you know, that came from Europe? Ooh, good question. I I don't know. I mean, I want to say yes, but <laughs> it it could be no. It's been ten years. I'm true, not sure. True. Because yeah. it's it's you know I mean you have a lot of choices when you're doing the the fringe circuit, and they did they did a number of cities with that show, and uh, yeah. I think they finished off in the Maritimes. They finished off in in Halifax, and. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I remember watching that show in a full house in St. Mm. John, which was, you know, they did create a buzz and maybe it was because they were a troop from Paris, but I like to think it was because it was like, so, like nothing else. I think yeah. people usually see at a fringe. And I think from my perspective too, that it wouldn't be the same as just a regular audience member, mm-hmm. but they were also just really nice. <laughs> and that goes a long way. It really as far does. As making an impact, um, <laughs> working for a festival, working on a festival, volunteering like that. I mean, maybe I remember them because they were so nice and mm. they would strike a conversation and were just sort of lovely people. And that totally makes a difference. Sure. Now I will say too, and I'm not, I'm not just being a kiss ass, but I, I do remember your show vividly. 
Um, and that I, I, I don't think I can forget that show because it was, I don't know. It was, it was very well done. Thank you. It was, uh, heartbreaking, but it just in a, in, in a really interesting way. And, I remember the venue, I remember sitting in interaction and it was just sort of dark and mm. we were just, everyone was just glued to you, including me. So mm. thank you. That's an honest answer too. Well, thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, you didn't stumble. You didn't stumble. I know there. I did. I did it without the, I did it without the stammer that time. Cause I already blew my stammer <laughs> oh, uh, earlier. You knew it. You were waiting for it. <laughs> um, uh, this year, um, are there any, are there are there are there things that are happening? Are there shows that are coming this year that you are particularly looking forward to? Company names that have jumped out and or 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 things like that that you're particularly looking for or looking forward to seeing? There's um there's a show coming from from Los Angeles uh, hmm. that looks really interesting. Uh, not just because it's from Los Angeles, like the Paris thing, but really the <laughs> description of the show is is. Uh, I don't have it handy, but mm. I remember reading and thinking, oh, this would be a great, you know, I when it, when it was picked out of the hat, oh, this is really interesting. This is great. Mm. Um, that one for sure. I yeah. don't know what you have in store this year, but um, I when I drew your name, I thought, oh, great. We're, we're bound <laughs> to have another solid show. Thank you. Um, and then there's some local folks that I'm always yeah. interested to see what they get up to. Are they, I mean, the, the local stuff, I mean, it's always interesting for me going to a place and seeing, seeing the locals. Mm. Um, there is a certain uh, uh, flavor of, uh, of of magic shows at the Fundy Fringe. Um, is there something in the water in St. John that like brings out the magicians? This is a great question. This is a question <laughs> I've pondered for since I got to the Fundy Fringe. I don't know, but it does seem like there is a particularly high percentage of magicians. <laughs> In St. John, or at least in St. John, that apply to a fringe festival compared to other cities. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just it's really interesting to me that there are so many magicians. Now this year, uh, there are only two, which okay. is which is one of the lower years. Like to say that there's only two out of fifteen is funny to say that that's low, but it really is. Like there are years that a third of the shows are magic shows. Um, there is a magic circle in St. John. Hmm. And I don't know if that is unique to St. John. I know there are a lot like magic circles in a lot of big cities, hmm. but maybe there aren't in small cities. I don't know, but there is maybe. a magic circle. Um, I know most of the people in it cause they've all performed at the fringe <laughs> and uh, you know what they just, and, and I get it. Like they have a show that is already built and ready to go. And they just love to perform. And it's, it's sort of easy for them to just say, Oh, I'll apply to a fringe festival. And if I get in, like I have a show that I can deliver. So I get why they're, why they're applying. And I'm looking forward to seeing the two that we have this year. There's one, there's one this year. Um, uh, to Braze is doing, who's performed in the fringe many times. Um, but his is not just a magic show. There's a lot of storytelling aspects in it too. And it's quite a personal story to him. And, um, so that's always nice to see too, when it's sort of in a, in new creative way. Hmm. It's interesting. I do think that, that the magic thing, I'm not disparaging the magic at all because, uh, I, I'm a sucker for magic. Um, but also I think it's one of those things that is part of the flavor of the fundy fringe. Every fringe has its own particular thing. 
you can say this about it. And, and I think that the magic aspect is something that, that is unique to St. John and is something that, that, that flavors it. So I think it's, it's something to, that, that uh, is, is, is wonderful and, and, and special about the Fundy Fringe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that too is like, no matter what the magic show is, it, it usually gets a pretty visceral reaction from an audience just because there's people, audience participation and mm. like, it's hard to come out of a magic show and not immediately start talking about it. Yeah. So there's often outside on Princess Street, like after a magic show, there's always like a huddle of people going, oh, how do they do that with the, <laughs> with the numbers? So it sort of does create this interesting buzz and that is, it totally is part of the flavor. I will admit now you, you've got it out of me. I was a magician as a child. I did, Aha! I did birthday parties. <laughs> I uh, did the whole thing. So maybe I have a particular interest in it too. Maybe. But And you know what? Hey, now that we're talking about it, maybe that's a connection too. Like I think between you know theater and magic, and of course magic is theater, but I know more than just myself who sort of their introduction to performing on stage was doing magic. Mm. And I think there's even a lot of well-known famous actors who like have talked about um they sort of started doing magic and card tricks for their family and that's what really sort of brought them out of their shell to to go on to performing careers so maybe that has something to do with it i don't know maybe maybe um just in in closing um as you guys are are heading towards towards the fringe uh uh opening in in august um what is your favorite part about the lead up to the start of fringe? I really like the tech rehearsals <laughs> because it's sort of the first time that a performer gets introduced to the space they're going to perform in and mm. gets introduced to the staff and the volunteers. It's sort of like a meet and greet kind mm. of day and they get to work out their show in their new space and you get to see sort of what it's about and, I don't know. That's why I like, I mean, also I'm sort of a theater technician too, and I'm always interested to see what people are up to, <laughs> but there is sort of a, a, a unique atmosphere to a tech day when everyone's sort of running around and fixing lights and yeah. hanging speakers and shows are coming together and people are just arriving in the city from across the country. Mm. It's an exciting uh, few days during those tech rehearsals for me. That's great. That's great. I'm thinking about you mentioned arriving, and now I'm thinking about um, the 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 group that is coming from Los Angeles, which is is a it's a trek, mm. and I don't know if they're driving, but if they're flying, um, I don't know how many cities they're going through, but I hope they avoid some of the airport problems we've been having. I know, yeah, it's t it's tough, yeah, yeah. it's uh, they I believe they are flying. I I do recall um, a recent email with that. So I, I hope it all works out. I'm sure um, it will all work out somehow. They just yeah, they may, may have to be drive. very frustrated by the time they arrive. <laughs> they may be. They may be. I got an email from. You can cut this out if you want, but <laughs> I got an email from Air Canada this morning. I have oh. flights booked in, in September to go to uh, Toronto. Right. And it said, "Please confirm there's been a major change to your flights." And I thought, "Oh no!" And instead of departing from St. John at 11:55. And arriving at 1303. Uh -huh. It's now departing from St. John at 1155 and arriving at 1306. They said that was a, ma that, that was okay. a major change that I needed to confirm. Major change. Which, you know what? They got their priorities down. Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, as far as I, 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 for my, for booking flights, I have avoided Air Canada. I have avoided all of that. So hopefully there are no, no delays uh, for me in my travels because I was just like, I'm not even flying out of Pierce, out of Toronto's main airport. I'm flying out of a smaller one just to avoid as much of that as possible. Yeah. It's really, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It would almost be safer for me to drive, but I don't have a car. So (laughs) it's a long haul too. It is a long haul too. Not as far as, as driving from Las, Las Vegas though. So no. That's true. <laughs> well, Drew, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I look forward to the Fundy Fringe this year. We look forward to seeing you in August and seeing what, what you have in store. And it was, uh, it was great getting to chat with you. Stageworthy is a Canadian theatre podcast produced by Phil Rickaby. That's me. Stageworthy is a one-person operation, so not only do I arrange the guests and perform the interviews, I also edit the show, promote the show, and I even created the music that you're hearing right now. I also shoulder all the financial responsibilities for keeping the show going while giving you this show for free. So if you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it. There are a few ways that you can do that. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people to find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And you can also leave a tip for the show by dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. I will put a link to that in the show notes, which you can find on the website or in your podcast app. But one of the most important things that you can do, even more important than ratings, reviews, or even financial support, is to share on social media. Even retweeting this episode will help. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all the episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode. <laughs>